Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. European podcast on Man on the Post. I'm your host, James Rowe, and I'm joined once again by my partner in crime, Scott Monroe. Scott, good evening. How are you? Good evening, James. Yeah, not too bad. I witnessed the oldest football league club get relegated at the weekend. I was at the in, the Swindon Notts County game, which Swindon won 3 1. Was pleased for that, but I got to see Notts County get relegated to the non league. Yeah, I think they must be having a difficult time down at Meadow Lane. What is it, 24,000 still? Uh, I think the crowds have dropped recently. Uh, just remember, in the Football League, they were in the playoffs last year and got knocked out by Coventry, who then got promoted. And then a year later, they're now in the non-league. So football is a cruel business. And Indeed it is. They went... And you have to take your chances when they come. Yeah, they went through. Th- they're on their third manager this year and it's not looking good. So hopefully a quick return because they're a... They're a good footballing club, and it's a it's a good, it's a great day out going to uh, Notts County. I went I went there this season when we won two one, and it's a it's a lovely ground. And as you said, it holds like twenty three twenty four thousand. So it's it's um it's a big shame. Yeah, my first away day with Arsenal was not back in ninety six when we lost two one away to Nottingham Forest and Alfie Hingy Holland scored. Oh wow! And, and just to think, the Trent Bridge cricket ground is. A stone's throw away, and so yeah. is uh, Nottingham Forest City ground is a stone's throw away. Yeah, yeah. and um, so that was my first ever away day. So that um, I was a very, very young, eager uh, young man, but it's something which stays in the memory. Mm. And that was great. Was great fun. We're going to speak about the second legs of the Champions League and the Europa League, and uh, we're going to start at Anfield, where. I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's fairy dust. I don't know if there's something in the water. I don't know what it is, but um, um, Liverpool seem to believe they're going to turn this round. Is this just a British thing where they just don't say die, even though they're half dead, or what's going on here? And um, what's your take on Liverpool, Barcelona, at Anfield? Um, well, if Mo Salah scored right at the end last week, or they had the double chance with Firmino's. Um, Effort, which was cleared off the line, and then the rebound fell to Salah, who it put, I would put your house on it. You put a lot of money in to score, but he hit the post, and it was just one of those evenings for Liverpool where they huffed and puffed, and they had some wonderful chances to uh, to to score, but just could not could not put them away. And Barcelona were a bit too more cl- too much clinically for them, but um, yeah, I just think it's that never say die attitude that at Klopp's put them put into his side at the moment where you just think now they're in an unbelievable run at the moment in the league where they're scoring late goals for fun this season I think it's probably about five or six times 
that they've scored late and won points. And I I think this may be a bit too far from them because Barcelona are a very, a very good team. Uh, they rested players against, against Salta Vigo at the weekend, which they lost 2-0. But La Liga's already wrapped up. They wrapped up against Levante a couple of weeks ago. But in my eyes, I think Liverpool will come out all guns blazing, and I think they'll win tonight's game, but they will go out. Okay, what's your prediction for tonight then? I think there'll be goals, and I think uh, I think it'll be Liverpool win three two, and then go out six, no five, three a on aggregate. I had to think my maths, maths there, maths wasn't the strongest point at that point there. <laughs> no, well, this is the European football podcast. That yeah. was the greatest in maths, neither. <laughs> my pre- my prediction is two two. Oh, okay, so you're going for goals as well. Yeah, I think it'll be two two. I think um I think this Barcelona side a, a tremendous free kick from Messi. A, tr- a tremendous uh, super free kick in the first leg. And I, I I know Liverpool did do well, but you know, Liverpool with the rich history they have, I think the last time they won a trophy was two thousand and eleven. And I cannot believe how the cups were spurned as if we're not interested in the League Cup and the FA Cup, we've got bigger fish to fry. And I, when I, when I, when I came across that in the FA Cup third round and losing in the League Cup to Chelsea, I thought, hang on a minute, you're playing a very dangerous game. You're playing a, a very dangerous game, and, and should they not win either, pressure's got to be on. I mean, I, I know, I know, when we had our um, first uh, season predictions, which I'm sure everything will come out in the wash with that, and I'm not looking forward to my end of year score report in that respect. I think I don't think I've got, I think I've got two of the bottom three correct, and then the rest is just you know Fulham for top half. I, I was going to say to, you probably had Fulham for seventh, didn't you? Under a desk. Yeah. But I was going to say, obviously, Chris is a is a passionate Liverpool supporter, and Ali as well. And I remember Chris saying when I spoke to him on that pod, you know, he said, "Oh, oh, it's about playing good football. It's not necessarily about the trophies." And I'm thinking, uh, really, you know, because for the biggest club in the country, one off, you know, and you think of the the pool they have abroad, you know, with people that go all over the world. I know Arsenal has has the same. Paul, but we don't have um, we don't have um, eighteen league titles like they do. We don't have five European Cups like they do. You know, and and I really thought that they would win something this season, if even if it was the FA Cup. And yes, they've had a tremendous season, and um, you know, they're, obviously they're they're desperate to win something. But should they not win anything this year, you wonder you wonder what the future is going to hold for them. It's sort of poetic justice and a bit of, I don't know if it's a bit of failure, but to go so close, but to come so far away from it as well. Um, I think what Klopp's done at Liverpool is fantastic. Um, He's building a foundation and one day they will win a trophy. It's just when. um, I think to have a a Europa League final, a Champions League final, and uh, a Champions League semi-final and and a League Cup final, League Cup final, a uh, top four, and then top two. This season's Premier League race has been sensational. I don't think both clubs have dropped points since mid-February. I think both clubs have gone on a, such an amazing run at the end of the season that to finish second with ninety-seven points, it's it's that's going to be horrible. <laughs> 
It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's very bizarre. You wouldn't think, you know, finish second but 97 points, but it just goes to show how well Man uh, City are. City have done. But you just don't know. I mean, I saw on the BBC you have your say today about, you know, shades of West Ham, of Man United away at West Ham when Blackburn won the title. You never know. I mean, the way Lewis Dunk and, um, and Matt Bryan and um, Shane Duffy defended at the Emirates last uh, last Sunday. You just never know, you know. And uh, Wolves, obviously, I think they're guaranteed seventh now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're guaranteed seventh. Um, so Watford lost at Chelsea. And then Wolves, who they beat? Fulham. They beat Fulham. Um, I think Wolves will be a much difficult proposition than what everyone says they are. Yeah. They are... When teams come on to them, they play better. Um, when teams sit back, they struggle. As you've seen this season, Wolves have dropped points against Huddersfield, Burnley and Brighton this season. Brighton at home as well. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see. But do you think that Barcelona will reach their first uh, Champions League final since was it 2015, 15, I believe? When they beat Juventus 3-1 in Berlin. So, yeah. yeah. Um, as I said earlier, I said 3-2 Liverpool and then the 5-3. Uh, 5-3? Oh, God, my maths. 5, no. Yeah, 5-3 on Agakir. My maths is not the strongest <laughs> point today. <laughs> OK, we'll try to get an assistant and then uh, Carol Vorderman. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's Rachel, it's Rachel Riley now on Countdown in the UK. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It, shows how long ago, it shows how long I've been away when I say it's still Carol Vorderman. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, I wouldn't rule out a trophy for next season for Liverpool. I think Klopp's hunger or want them to win the trophy and the, 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 yeah, founda- I, uh, the foundations I, that he's I, built. I might be sounding a little bit naughty, but I wonder if he might be hounded out. You reckon? I think. It... I wonder. I wonder. I just. I just wonder because you know, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, you know, to as I say, the biggest club in the country, arguably, and you haven't won a trophy for. Uh, eight years. Arsenal didn't win anything for nine years. And don't get me wrong, I was embarrassed as God knows what. And I did not see any reason to extend Wenger's contract when we hadn't won a trophy for nine years. And I was saying, no, we've got to rip it up and start again. And you just never know with, with you know, uh, the, the money involved and everything. So we should just have to wait and see. We're now going to move on to um, the second semi-final, which is taking place just outside my front door, would you believe because I've just moved house. Uh, literally, it's just outside my front door. And that is Ajax at home to Tottenham. It feels very strange as an Arsenal fan to actually have. Oh. Basically, my city and my neck of the woods to play a Champions League final in my front garden, basically. But um, it is what it is. And um, I wonder how this game is going to go. I think that Ajax will win 2-1. And um, I think that this group of players who won their first trophy together as a group, and Ajax won their first trophy in five years, beating Willemsvay 4-0 in the Dutch Cup final in Rotterdam last Sunday. They have come so close now. They started out uh, at home to Sturmgras in the qualifiers last uh, summer. I think it was the end of July, 31st of July, something like that. And now they're on the verge of a, they're on the verge of a Champions League final, you know, under the, the guidance of Erik ten Hag. You know, this opportunity, regardless of what these players do for the remainder of their career, this opportunity, especially in a Dutch club, in a Dutch setting, in a a European setting, this might, especially in the Champions League, this might never, ever, ever come again. And I think 
I think that everybody will be wary for it. The crowd will be up for it. I mean, the crowds. I mean, the the noise for the and the game was played in London last week. But when that goal was scored, the noise was just uh, your eardrums. And I just think that um, I can see Tottenham scoring, um, but I also cannot see Tottenham winning. And uh, be very very interesting to see what happens to come so far and to dispose of. Uh, Real Madrid, Juventus, Benfica, Bayern Munich. You know, this is a who's who of European football, and it's, this is the last hurdle now. What, one telling for is is I, I watched Ten Hag's press conference before I came on air tonight, and he said about as far as Ajax is concerned, this game is still nil nil, and they're going to do everything in their power to win it. They're not playing for a draw; they want to win it, and um, I think with a home crowd behind them. Um, I think they'll go and they'll finish the job and my prediction is 2-1 to Ajax. So they go 3-3-1 on aggregate. Yeah. I also think there'll be goals in this game. Um, Tottenham will have uh, Son, uh, who disgracefully got himself sent off at the weekend against Bournemouth and it was totally out, out of character. I think that performance for Spurs was totally out, out, um, a bit out of character. One voice sending off at the weekend was disgusting. And oh, I know they've, they've been, they've been uh, just say pushing for top three and just like it hasn't been good re- in the recent weeks. They like huffed and puffed against Brighton. Um, I think they might struggle against this Ajax side. This Ajax side who dominated the first 30 minutes and really should be should have been three or four nil up. I was shouting at my TV when Donny van der Beek did not square it to Davin Neres, who was in a better position, and then van der Beek went for goal and it was saved by the legs of um, Hugo Lloris. Neres was screaming for the ball square and that would have killed the game off. Um, but when Jan, Jan Vertonghen and went off injured and... For, for beggar's belief, I don't know what Spurs' medical team are thinking of. Why let him go back on with that head injury? You've got uh, independent doctors should be pit side when these sort of things happen. We have uh, I've I watch cricket and we've got this concussion protocol in cricket where if you get struck on the head you ha- uh, and you're feeling a bit dazed, you have to go off. And I've seen it plenty of times in international cricket and there's um a player who plays for Australia in Australia for Western Australia. I said it to Chris on the um, Extra Time podcast. Um, he's a lad who's like been concussed three times playing cricket, and he's had to have time away from the game. And it, just what happened with that with Jan Vertonghen was a bit disrespectful, and he should never have come back on. Um, but he's going to be a big loss for for Spurs as well. I think is Davin Davidson Sanchez unavailable for the game as well. I read today. Uh, I haven't. I'm, I'm not aware of that. I know that from an Ajax point of view, uh, the whole squad are fit as far as Tenag is aware. Only David Neres has some kind of complaints where they're not entirely sure how he's come through training today, and uh, he should be okay. But there's a, there's a question mark about him. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think I've rated Hugo Lloris for a long, long time, uh, Scott. Even from his days at Nice. And I know he has his moments, yeah. but I still think he's a tremendous goalkeeper. And when I spoke to Love Sport Radio last, um, I think it was last Wednesday, no, last Tuesday, sorry, I said about in the second leg in particular, I think Lodis will be very busy. But, um, you know, he's also a World Cup winner. And by the same token, if he doesn't concede, 
Spurs are still in the game, mm. and I think Loris is going to be uh, going to be a very important part of uh, of the outcome of the match tomorrow. I will say, if Ajax score first, I think the tie's over. But if Tottenham get something early and they've got something right on in the game, you got to think what will Ajax show, and it's going to have to show a lot of good mentality. And I hate using this word; they're going to have to show a lot of bottle in this in this tie. Well, their home form in Europe, you know, they beat Benfica, mm-hmm. beat AEK Athens, um, drew with Bayern Munich, beat Sturmgrass, lost to Real Madrid, drew with Juventus. So it is a bit of a mix. But I think with the home fans behind them, I mean, you can't get a ticket tomorrow for La Panani. And um, the tickets for European matches have become have been very, very difficult to come by. I mean, I only got my ticket for Ajax Benfica last October, uh, right at the last knockings. And it's also a club, I think I spoke about it on the podcast before, you know, I've been watching the club firsthand for more than a, more than a decade. And they're doing really well. You can't get a ticket for love or money when they're not doing very well. It, it can be quite easy. And one point I just wanted to leave this match on is a little small fact. I interviewed uh, um, the right back of Nagbaleda, Fabian Sporgsklader, I think it was last October. Maybe it'd been, I think it might have been the October before, perhaps. And uh, he came through the Ajax youth system and he told me about the day where he, together with Christian Eriksen, at the age of 17, were promoted to the Ajax um, first team for training. So you've got Christian Eriksen, who's a tremendous footballer, and I've been fortunate enough to interview many professional players and managers that say he's, you know, he's one of the best players they've ever played with or against. And uh, Eriksen is coming up against a team where he was training with the first team of Ajax at the tender age of 17. Shows you how good he was. And I just think that, you know, it's an opportunity for Tottenham as well. You know, these, um, there's always a team that reaches the Champions League semi-finals, which nobody expects. And I think in this particular semi-final, nobody expected either. Yep. And I just, I just think with home advantage... Uh, is going to tell and um, my prediction is 2-1 to Ajax I'm going to go I'm going to be bold I'm going to say a high score and draw I think 3-3 oh goodness that'd yeah. be very interesting very interesting I think Ajax play this open expansive style of football they they press Spurs for like the first half hour and it was unbelievable to watch they did not give them an inch um, but I think Spurs counter attacked that by going to a back four which helped and when they brought Musa Sissoko on it really helped and if he's on form and then you get Deli Ali, uh, Lucas, Son and Christian Eriksen on form it could be an intriguing second leg. Indeed it could be but uh, my prediction is, is an Ajax Barcelona final. Yeah I, I think we both agree and that will be I think a, f- a football purist final. Indeed, it would be. It's just a shame that the guy that put everything in motion for both clubs won't be able to witness it. Yeah, sadly, three years, three years yeah. in March. Yeah, it's gone really, really quick. But you know, the uh, the his legacy lives on at both clubs. Really, mm. it really does. You know, and and maybe it's something we can elaborate on uh, another time. You know, but the intelligence of the man, you know, was just uh, was just like something of an of another planet. I'll, before we move on to Europa League, I'll, I'll just leave you with one one of Kroos. Um, he was explaining about possession 
and there's one little tiny thing that really stuck with me. He was explaining a tactical um, tactical tactics board, and he was explaining to the talk show that he was on that if you think of having a teammate that you think, oh, if they want help, I've got to go to them. I've got to walk towards them. Whereas in some cases, you help them more if you walk away from them and you give more space that opens up to play a pass or to give a cross. And that's just one of the many, many different um, quotes and many of different stories that he has. You know, it just stuck with me when he said, you know, if you think you've got to help someone, normally you think, oh, I've got to go towards them. I've got to go and help them. But if you go away from them, it can, uh, help can offer more. up room and offer up space and, and things like that. So uh, maybe that's for another pod at another mm. time. We're now going to move on to the Europa League semi-finals, and obviously my team are involved. We are defending a 3-1 lead. We are looking to play our first European uh, final for the first time in 13 years in Baku, and we are facing a team who have uh, won, who won 6-2 away to Huesca, and they were 6-0 up within the hour. And I just, um, I think that Arsenal will get over the line. But also this in the European podcast, it's not about me being a gooner. But Scott, when I reviewed the Arsenal squad going into the knockout phases of the Europa League, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, we're not going to win it because the squad's too light. And we were very, very lucky against Ren, especially having lost the first leg 3-1 in Brittany, and we managed to turn it around. Napoli were kind of caught off guard, if you like. Yes, it's great to have beaten... Valencia 3-1 in the first leg but this tie is far from over and I watched Marcelino's press conference uh, after the 6-2 win at Huesca and he was saying you know we plan to uh, to play with the same intensity we plan to uh, you know on our field with our with our with our fans you know give everything we've got they were really hurt by his own admission by the third goal but I just hope that Arsenal can get over the line you know because I'm I mean, I've said on this podcast before, I could not give two hoots as to what European competition Arsenal are playing in next year because of the fact that my team hasn't won a trophy in Europe for for the first time for for 25 years. So it does not make no difference to me whether we play Champions League or Europa League. The fact that we can't prove that we can win in Europe is by the by. Mm. Tremendous opportunity, which we've got to take with both hands and we need to, to really fight hard and I can't see Arsenal winning in Valencia. I think it's going to be a again a two-two draw, and um, which I predicted for uh, Liverpool Barcelona. But I sincerely hope that Arsenal can get over the line, because if this opportunity goes begging, then I then obviously it will encapsulate a season of what what if even being traced back to the League Cup uh, defeat at Tottenham and obviously the Cup defeat at Manchester United. You know, this is a great opportunity which we've got to take with both hands and my prediction is 2-2 but uh, we've got, if we can, we've got to try to score first because mm. this Valencia team is going to really fight hard and, you know, we've got a, we've got a, a semi-final we played in 2009, you know, second leg capitulating at home to Manchester United in this instance, last year in the Europa League uh, semi-final as well, not finishing the job off at home, 
and we're in like a flower in Madrid. You know, we've got to show a little bit. Uh, we've got to show a lot of fight. It's gonna. The Mestalla is the difficult away ground to go to. We took a lead there in 2001 and lost and got knocked out in the Champions League quarterfinals. I just, I can't. I can't see Arsenal winning in Spain, but my prediction is 2-2. What do you think, Scott? I think um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goal was so crucial. It, it, it was. Yeah, because um, Lacaz- Lacazette missed um, a couple of chances in the second half from from close range. I, missed, I think he missed a one in the first half as well. Um, but Arsenal were all over the place for like the first 15 minutes. And yes. Or lucky just to be one nil down, um, but hit back brilliantly. Um, I know Arsenal's defence has been a lot of problems this season. If they can withstand this Valencia barrage, which can happen, because Valencia will be playing on the front foot, and as as I said in the WhatsApp group on on Sunday night, uh, they were five nil up after like forty five yeah. minutes, and it's yeah six nil up within the hour. In the hour, and um, they won the game six two, which. Evidently, Huesca got relegated. Um, Valencia has been on a bit of poor form. They're very hit and miss. So, the week before, they lost 1-0 at home to Ibar, and Ibar scored in the 93rd minute thanks to a goal from Charles. So, yes. they can be got at home. I think Arsenal will go through. I think Valencia will win the match 2-1, and Arsenal will go through 4-3 on aggregate. Well, I should hope so. You know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. And a thing that really annoys me, Scott, is people going, oh, Europa League, I don't want it. Oh, it's not Champions League. You think of winning a trophy, winning a European trophy, how special that is. It doesn't matter which one it is. You try and win it. Yeah, just... you know, there, are club, there are clubs that, that are desperate to participate in Europe, let alone win in Europe. And if you think of the best clubs in the world, the biggest clubs in the world, they've all got something in common, which is they've always done, they've all done the business in Europe. Mm. And Arsenal haven't. You know, our final record, I think it is played, um, I think it's played six, uh, um, one only two. You know, and it's um, it's something which we've really got to uh, to improve on. But um, yeah, I think with the criticism of Emery, you know, he's not infallible. He's, he has made mistakes. But if he is not proactive in the summer, then he is basically cutting off his own um, nose to spite his face, which will ensure that he won't be Arsenal manager long term, which would be a shame. And as for the people wanting him out, you know, you'll give his predecessor, you'll give his um, predecessor almost a quarter of a century, and you won't batter an eyelid. And then he comes in and tries to change things, and people won't even give him a season. Yeah. I, I know it's how crazy and how fickle fans are. Um, yeah. I will say the point on teams winning the Europa League. There's a team in Spain who have made history in the past, made it their history probably in the last 10 years, probably since back to 2006, of winning it on more than one occasion in Sevilla. Yeah. And they've won it, what, four times? Five. Five. Is it 2006, seven? Oh, God, my memory's going to. 14, 15, 16. 14, 15, 16. I was just trying to think because I beat Dnipro, Liverpool, Benfica. Uh, Benfica. That's the one. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, the Benfica because Benfica had Juventus and I had yeah. tickets to watch Roma Juventus which was in May 2014 and because Juventus were in the Europa League semi-final they did not know when that tie was being made, going to be oh. 
played uh, because when they got knocked out, they were like, yeah, let's play it on the Friday night. No, let's play it on the Saturday. But I, I was in Rome, and as soon as I got to Rome, I found out when they were getting paid, when it was being played, so it was all fine in the end. But yeah, Seville have a, a pedigree, a history of winning the Europa League. I just don't understand why some clubs just think it as a second nature and just put like their resis out. Yeah, well, I just get to. I've reached a point now where I think if you're gonna if you're gonna treat it with uh, disdain, disdain yeah. don't go in it. Yeah. Don't go in it. And if it if it really bothers you that much, I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to get to ten Arsenal matches from Amsterdam this season. Five of them were Europa League, and because I wanted to see something different, I wanted to see different teams, different setting, different environment. And so yeah, fingers crossed. Next time we speak, I, I should be celebrating our first European final appearance in 13 years. And uh, I will not be going to Baku due to previous commitments where the following morning I leave for Hamburg. So so I'm I'm off for a city trip, which I'm very much looking forward to. But Baku as well, I could get to New York quicker. Yeah, I think a lot of fans will have a lot of trouble getting to Azerbaijan. Yeah, and not just that. There's an athletics track around the stadium. Yeah. So if people are going to be paying in excess of 120 quid, 140 euros, for that. Yeah. I mean, I went. I mean, I've been fortunate. I've been very fortunate to consecutively go to all major UEFA league, UEFA European tournament finals, starting with the Champions League in Cardiff in 2017, the Europa League final in Lyon last May. And the Super Cup final in Tallinn last August. Now I'm I'm very grateful, Scott, but the destinations of all three of those places were reasonable, were fun, and were easy to get to in reason. You know, I flew to Bristol and then took a train to Cardiff, flew from Amsterdam to Lyon and Amsterdam to Tallinn. Absolutely fine. But in the case of people going to Baku, you are going you are flying to Russia and then you are flying on from Russia to Azerbaijan. Is uh, and next year's final is in Gdansk, so it just goes to show potluck, really. I mean, I I was fortunate enough to be in Lyon last May, and uh, my team just about didn't make it, and then uh, and then the following season they may well make it, and uh, you're faced with going all the way to Baku. But due to uh, previous commitments, I um, I should be watching it on telly, and uh, I don't know if you know, but the local time, uh, local kickoff time is one o'clock central. European time and midday UK time for that final. Really? Yeah. Wow. Indeed. I've got the week off, so it doesn't bother me. But you think of all those Arsenal fans, potential Arsenal fans that are going to have a day off work to watch that final or to watch it in your tea break. And the whole occasion of it. I mean, I remember the occasion of the uh, 2006 final. I wasn't in Paris because I was... I'd only been living here, what, a year, and just over a year. And, um, you know, not to make a dramatic story out of it, but to, to, to tell a true story, I basically had the choice of paying my rent for my flat in Amsterdam where I lived on my own or selling everything I ever owned to get to Paris. And I decided to use my noddle, use my head, and return to watch the match with family in England. And it turned out to be the last football match I ever watched with my grandfather, which was bittersweet, really, because he passed of a heart attack, passed away of a heart attack only five months later. And the last match we ever watched uh, together was the Champions League final uh, when my my team was in it. So that was 
very special that the only Champions League final my team has been in. Very special to have watched that with him and obviously my mother and my sister and family members. So it was it was great fun, a lovely memory, even though we lost. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't in Paris in 2006, but um, I would have liked to have been. We're now going to move on to the last semi-final where Chelsea are playing Frankfurt. Um, I've stated on numerous podcasts that Frankfurt will reach the final. They deserve to reach the final. If you follow what they've achieved in Europe, they deserve to be in Baku. And considering who they've disposed of, Benfica, Inter, Lazio, Marseille, Donetsk, they deserve it. And I thought, I don't know what you thought, Scott, I thought I was a little bit overwhelmed in the first leg at home Mm. at at Chelsea. And I think they were a little bit shell-shocked. But I can see them getting a positive result in London. I can see Frankfurt winning 2-1. And I think it will be an Arsenal-Frankfurt final. I might have to change my prediction just on that because I watched the highlights um, the other day. Um, thanks you to BT Sport who put the highlights of the uh, Europa League and Champions League games on their YouTube page, which is absolutely handy. Um, I thought Frankfurt started well. Um, Luka Jovic, brilliant goal. Wonderful cross from Rebic on the left. I thought David Luiz could have been a bit more wise and come out a bit stronger. Um, he was probably a couple of yards off the pace. But yeah, as you said, they were a little bit overwhelmed. And I think if you're a Chelsea fan, you'd be a little bit disappointed. You could have got, couldn't have got um, more away from the t- uh, from the first leg. They, Chelsea definitely had the chances. Pedro had a couple of chances. So did um, Ruben Loftus Cheek, who's come on leaps and bounds under Sari and has become the player that they wanted. To him to be and he's going to be a player for them in the future um, I just think with Frankfurt resting a lot of players and then getting absolutely walloped by Bayer Leverkusen the weekends where uh, they were I think it was 6-1 down after 40 odd minutes um, and Le- uh, sorry Frankfurt are pushing for top four in, in the Bundesliga I was, I was so hoping that they would um, get past Chelsea, but I think Chelsea would probably be too strong for them. I'm saying three-one. Okay, so we're gonna have a London derby, eight thousand kilometers away from where it's normally played. Yeah, I'm afraid. Um, I just think that the 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 ties will probably change, and that I thought Frankfurt will probably come out a bit stronger. But as you said, they did look overwhelmed. All I will say is that. Amazing support, amazing TIFO. That stadium was bouncing, and I think they will bring a lot of fans to uh, to Chelsea and to London. And I th- don't think I think they brought thirteen thousand to San Siro in Feb, and I think they're bringing close to that to London. But I think it's been a great adventure for them. Oh yeah, it? without doubt, without doubt. And I mean, I've, I've followed them since the group. Uh, stage when I found out that they was in a quite appetising group with Lazio and Marseille mm. and they absolutely blitzed it and I predicted them to win uh, in Milan it, they were 8-1 to one to win that game so that got me a little bit of my flight money back from when I went back to Arsenal Wren which was very nice and uh, yeah it'd be very interesting to see uh, see what happens but I think it will be Arsenal Frankfurt and um, yeah, we'll be, uh, we could be facing next week the prospect of a Champions League final of Ajax against Barcelona and hopefully Arsenal against Frankfurt. Um, Scott, you finally wanted to uh, 
to give a mention to Bergamo's finest, I believe. Yeah, Atalanta. Uh, so there's uh, just three games left in Serie A and the race for top four is becoming a lot more intriguing in the weeks to come. Uh, over the last four or five weeks, it's been an absolute wonderful race to watch. So there's um, Atalanta are fourth, Roma in fifth, and then you've got AC Milan, Torino and Lazio all vying for that, that spot in the top four and potentially Europa League. I will say something about Torino. Um, they were quite unlucky not to win the Derby della Mole on Friday night against Juventus. Uh, they played brilliantly and it was just the day before the the 70th anniversary of Superga and it would have been brilliant to see Turin uh, the the red side of Turin sorry Torino get a result there but I, I digress um, I will say something about Atalanta over the last four or five months they've been one of the sides to watch in, in Serie A um, they've got a Coppa Italia final uh, next Wednesday which they faced Lazio and the dress rehearsal for that was on Sunday uh, in the rain in, in Rome it always rains in Rome. I've been there a couple of times. I've watched games in Rome and uh, it always pisses it down when I've gone to games. Um, I will say Atlanta weathered the storm, no pun intended, um, against Lazio in 1-3-1. And then Roma decided to throw it away against Genoa uh, by conceding a late goal and then a late penalty. And then last night, AC Milan 1-2-1 and there was a bit of hoo-ha um, because... Lucas Pacatar got sent off for touching the referee a bit stupidly. And then there was a, a bit of hoo-ha on the bench between Bakayoko and Gattuso. And it looks like Bakayoko could have played his last game for AC Milan. Um, we'll probably talk about Gattuso more in another pod. I look forward but, to that because I have some... You, yeah, sorry. But you know more about Italian football than me with the expertise. But is it me or is that job just far too big for him? Um, he's done well, I think, over the last few weeks. He's come across... He's had some bad form. So they drew against Parma. They lost against Torino. They were up. I watched the game against Torino um, last Sunday and they were absolutely disgusting. They were woeful. Um, they could not break him down. Torino were fantastic and he just hit them in the second half. But... He's tried playing 4-3-3, hasn't worked. He's tried playing 4-4-2, hasn't worked. Um, they've got some players that are not firing at the moment. Like uh, They bought Christoph Piontek, who's had an absolutely stellar season in Serie A in his first year. Like He scored a plethora load of goals for Genoa. And up to now, he's, he's played really well for Milan, but the goals are not firing. And they just look a bit stodgy. Um, I don't think he'll be there next season. I think another man will be in charge. Potentially, potentially, who Scott? Um, I to us, I don't know. There's rumours flying around that that the black and blue side of Milan are looking at Conte, but I just don't know who could be in charge of Milan next season. I I think it may be a bit of a poison chalice. But it's still, I mean, obviously, I'm 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 quite partial to Milan, and um, it's a huge job. Yeah. I mean, if you look if you look back into the successful Milan sides you know Saccaroni Ancelotti's Arrigo Sacchi being the most famous one surely there's a a good Italian candidate a young candidate a la Allegri when he took that job surely there's someone around that they could go again there is there's, uh, there's, 
There's got to be. And I, I really think, obviously, I'm partial to Milan. I like Milan. And they're kind of like my Italian team that I, I kind of uh, sway towards, obviously, when they're not playing Arsenal. But, um, yeah, there's got, I wonder if there's a candidate to, to, to really... Not the second coming of Saki, because Saki was a complete one-off. But what I mean is is that someone in the Italian game that could take that job and, and really re- rejuvenate... Um, one of the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, Real Madrid have won the Champions League um, 13 times. And Milan, Milan is second. Milan is second with seven. Yeah. And it, it will still be a long while before Milan are eclipsed. I mean, if, if Barcelona do win it, I think they'll be on six. If Ajax do win it, they'll be on five. So, you know, it's um, be interesting to see what happens. But obviously, you mentioned about um, Atalanta. And, uh, yeah, Gasparini is... Um, He's got to be a candidate for manager of the season, surely. Yeah, in my eyes, there's uh, there's three. Uh, there's um, Allegri for winning the eighth Serie A in a row. There's Semplici, who's now at Spal. Um, as I wrote about Spal, and I've talking about Spal over the last couple of weeks, just probably six weeks ago, they were third, fourth, bottom. Now they're tenth, and then now Gasparini. Gasparini's done an excellent job at Atalanta. They got the Europa League a couple of years ago and the spine of that team left. So Conti, Andrea Conti, Frank Kessier, um, Galliardini and Mattia Caldara all left. Caldara came back on an 18-month loan because he went to Juventus. Juventus um, bought in, I want to say... January 2017 and then had an 18th month low spell and then he went to AC Milan part of the deal for Leo Bonucci to go back but he hasn't had a, a kit because he's done his knee in at, at Milan but they've got a, a spine of a team which is fantastic their front three is amazing so you've got Duvan Zapata who's become one of the, one of the strikers in Serie A this season I, uh, I think he's on 22 or 23 league goals behind Fabio Quagliarelli, who's got 25. And Ronaldo, who's on 21. I think Piontek's got 20. And you've got Josip Ilicic and Papu Gomez either side. And as Martin Darun. And you've got Castagna, um, Hatterborn, both flanks. And you've just got a solid back three. And Manz- Gianluca Mancini is in my eyes, an unsung hero, but I think he will go in the summer. Uh, there's rumours of Roma looking at him, and I think, I'm just hoping that Atalanta side does not get ripped to shreds, because what Gasparini's done is brilliant, and I'll, a part of me wants them to see him in the Champions League, but, I, but as being a Roma fan, I would love to see Roma hit top four, but I can't see it, but I would love to see Atalanta replace them. Yeah, be um, very interesting. When they was in the Europa League, they took Leon and they took Everton to school, didn't they? Yeah, they won five one at Everton and then won three nil in Sassuolo because, if my memory stirs me right, their home ground was under renovation and it's under renovation now. What they've been doing is uh, they've been doing a stand every season, so they've just started doing renovation of one of the stands. So it looks like they have to play their last two home games in Sassuolo. Oh. Uh, at, Very... Sorry, at Sassuolo's Mape Stadium, not in Sassuolo, because Sassuolo don't play their home games in Sassuolo. Okay, very interesting. Um, Scott, we shall keep an eye on Atalanta, obviously with Martin Delon and Hans Harderborn 
coming from Groningen and Heel and Veen respectively. They've uh, gone on to forge uh, good careers and they're also both involved in the national team setup. Scott, would you like to tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you on Twitter? I will say Darun, Darun, Darun is on fire. So that will yeah. be my uh, my parting in, gift on Martin indeed. Darun. Indeed. Um, I'm not trying to be pretentious, but the, <laughs> the, but the correct, correct pronunciation of his name is Martin Darun. Darun, Darun, Darun is on fire. <laughs> indeed, um, he's an excellent player. and he's, I've rated him since his Heathen Fane days and he's... Uh, I'm delighted to see him doing well, especially for the national team as well. Cool. Yeah, uh, you can follow me at Scott underscore Munro. Um, I think I'm about 70 followers away from a thousand, which is fan- which is fantastic. Woo-woo. Hopefully, we can get you up to, to uh, a thousand before the end of the season. Uh, let's hope so. I don't let's think so. I don't think it's all about yeah. numbers, but it's, it'd be fantastic. No, it's about it's about quality, and yeah. so long as you. I mean, I'm not I'm no expert on Twitter. I mean, I just going there to, to open up doors of all different things yeah, of that you wouldn't get if you wasn't on it but one thing I will say and I am no expert but so long as you take responsibility for what you say and you don't mess around and yeah. you don't try and do the things that some people do you should be fine and and one thing that needs to be looked at is the level of abuse on that platform where things are said to people by people that they've never met before and you wouldn't say these things to somebody's face, but you think you're right Fact. about it. Behind and the it, keyboard, yeah. it really does need to be looked at because you see some things where, okay, jokes and all that kind of thing, but the line is now so far away where people don't seem to have any filter anymore. And, um, you know, I, I'm lucky. I don't get an awful lot of criticism on Twitter to the tune that some people do. But when you see some things, you think, hang on a minute, that's a little bit um, below the belt, so yeah. to speak. It's like followers, the... can get, followers can get in touch with me on Twitter at James Rowanell. We'd like to point you in the direction of the Man on the Post podcast network featuring the likes of Man on the Post extra time and unusual efforts. And there's something for everybody. We are going to discuss, Scott and, Scott and I, what we're going to do towards the end of the season. If anybody would like to uh, pass on any questions that they might have, then please feel free. And we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'd like to leave you with to remember to always keep your man on the post. Mm-hmm.